spirit would be amongst, amongst us and guide our thoughts and our hearts and cause our eyes and ears to be open. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so by way of review from last week in Acts 20, what does Paul know is coming in his future? Right. So everywhere he goes, he's going to be bound and imprisoned, including at Jerusalem, he's going to be bound. And what's his attitude about that prospect? I mean, I think I'd be a little nervous <laughs> that that's what's waiting, but what, what's his approach and why? Okay, so the most important thing to me isn't my safety or my comfort or self-protection. most important thing is finishing the race the Lord gave me to finish. Why do we need elders to protect the flock, according to Acts 20? What's the threat? Wolves. And where do the wolves come from? Yeah, it's, it's not outside the church, other groups. It's people within, at least under the umbrella of Christendom that are going to be the wolves that we need to watch out for. And then any questions, thoughts, or hopefully examples of remembering what we're told to remember, that Jesus said it's more blessed to give then receive. Anybody experienced that this last week? So one of the brothers was kind enough to come and snow blow that uh, snow we had on Thursday. And I told him, I, I'm praying that you will experience the blessedness <laughs> that Jesus talks about, that it's more blessed to give in the street. Because it was a lot of work. <laughs> that was a lot of snow. And he was willing to do that. So we were very, I was thankful and I want people to experience that blessing. So um, let's go ahead and start 21, but as a kind of an intro, what are some factors we consider or should consider when trying to discern God's will in a decision? So let's say, should I take that job? Should I buy that house? Should I marry that person? What's the most important factor, of course? Yeah, what does God's word have to say about it would be the first and most important issue. If God has said, don't do something, then we know that's not his will. If he has said do, we know we're in, in business. What are some other things we would use to process trying to discern God's will in a decision? Prayer. Prayer. Okay, what are a couple things we could pray for? So pray for wisdom. Remember James 1.5, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and will be given to him. Um, I also think it's appropriate to pray for guidance. Jesus, or, uh, Psalm 23 says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So he's a shepherd, and a physical shepherd guides his sheep where they need to go, and our heavenly shepherd guides us where we need to go as well. So we can pray for him to do that. And then another piece that you may or may not have thought of is the counsel of others. 
And uh, there's a couple Proverbs that talk about that. Somebody read Proverbs 12, 15. Proverbs 12, verse 15. Okay, thank you. And also Proverbs 15.22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Okay, so there's a place for listening to the counsel of others, but as we're going to see in Acts 21, the counsel of others doesn't necessarily mean it's the will of God. Okay? And that... I hope you have a category for that because we're going to see two examples in a row of that not being the case in Acts 21. So let's go ahead and read Acts 21. Would somebody read the first four verses? So what do we do with that verse? Through the Spirit, they were telling Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. That's where he's going. So the best hint will be to see what Paul himself does with that advice, which is, interestingly enough, he ignores the message. So I have a footnote in my Bible. You may or may not have something like this. Um, On verse 4 it says, that is because of impressions made by the Spirit. But still, um, maybe not a slam dunk. So let's look at a couple passages. and Maybe you can help me come up with some examples where the counsel of others was ignored and or somebody claimed to be speaking from the Lord and it wasn't. Think of any examples of either of those categories. Ruth? Okay. Do this, do this, do this. And he's like, I'm not going to listen to that. And he listened to the younger people who said something. I think they were the bad Yeah, make it tougher. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good example. So he ignored the advice of people that he probably should have listened to um, and listened to the ones that maybe weren't as wise. Any other examples? Okay, um, interesting. yeah, and they didn't actually tell him. Yeah, they basically said you need to confess your sin, which he yeah. didn't do because he didn't have any at that point. Or his wife's counsel was what? Curse God and die, and he didn't listen to that advice. So, okay, good examples. Any, any other examples? This footnote says that Paul was commanded by the Lord to go. Right, okay, and that's, that's a good distinction because we don't want to pit the spirit against the Lord um, so the, the big question is are we really getting the spirit's message or not 
Um, so let's look at two more examples. Um, this is an unusual passage, 1 Kings 13. 1 Kings 13. Somebody read verse 11. And then we'll do 14 to 18. So 1 Kings 11, 13, verse 11, and then 14 to 18. So isn't that just a strange passage? Um, man, this man is a prophet, claims to be speaking on behalf of the Lord, but is lying. And the other man had clear instructions from the Lord, just like Paul had clear instructions from the Lord. And in this case, he follows it and gets torn apart by a lion for his disobedience. So we'll preach that sermon another time, but... Just to give you a category, not every claim to speak for God or for God's will is legit. One that doesn't have the claim in it, but what did Peter say to Jesus when Jesus said, the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem and be handed over to the priests and suffer and die? What is Peter's reaction? Don't! (laughs) Don't do it! Surely not. And did Jesus say, oh, that's, that sounds like a good word of advice. No, he said, get behind me, Satan. That's not God's message to me at this point. You're not giving me God's. So, again, all this is just set up the category. Not every counsel from somebody is wise or to be listened to. Not every claim of speaking on behalf of God is necessarily valid. Um, which is why we need to evaluate all such prophecies um, instead of taking them at face value. So let's look at a couple passages that talk that way. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And would somebody please read 29 to 33.
So, again, not don't just take every person that stands up and says, I think the Lord is saying this. Like, oh, okay, that must be God. It must be evaluated. Don't just jump in and say, oh, okay. Um, we also see that in 1 Thessalonians. Did somebody read 19 through 22. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. So again, Paul says, test it. If it's good, hang on to it. If it's not, don't listen. So anybody have any examples of that kind of thing or just any comments or questions about that? I'll share two. One was there was a man in our church a number of years ago, and he came to me and said, um, I'm a prophet. And I have a message from God for you. Um, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, well, okay. Um, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, I have been baptized by the Spirit. All believers have been baptized by the Spirit. He said, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like when my wife and I were out at this one conference, we just felt this electric feeling and just really great. And, and I, you, know, you haven't had that, have you? And I'm like, no, but... <laughs> The verse says we all have been, whether that experience happens or not. And um, so here's a prophet, self-proclaimed at least, telling me God's telling him a message for me, but it bumped up in against a clear verse. So I didn't need to listen to him say, oh, okay, well, would you pray that I get this electric feeling so that I can fulfill your prophecy? Um, another one, this is not my own story, but it's uh, Stuart Briscoe, Pastor over in Wisconsin, he just passed away this last year. But uh, a gentleman came into his office one morning and said, uh, you know, the Lord said we need to do such and such. And Briscoe, sharp-witted as he was, said, uh, oh, what time was that? And the guy said, well, you know, 6.30 when I was having my quiet time. You know, kind of like, it was early this morning. And Briscoe said, well, I talked to him at 8 and he never mentioned anything. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anyway, any other thoughts about what we do with prophecies or claims to Heather?
it does make sense. Um, and and so yeah, we always want wisdom and discernment to to decipher what counsel and advice we get because we might get opposite things. Somebody might say, "Oh, of course you should take that," and no, of course you shouldn't. So we're still needing to sense the Lord's leading on that. Um, but especially, I think this Acts twenty one brings up when you start bringing the Lord into it. Like I think the Lord is saying this. <laughs> um, then it kind of puts it at another level because, in theory, if that really is the Lord, then you're disobeying God if you don't do what they say. And I think Acts 21 is just giving us a category of that's not necessarily true. Because Paul didn't think he was disobeying the Spirit by going to Jerusalem after these people in the Spirit were telling him not to. You might be. Well, I'm wondering if you're thinking of James 4. Um, oops. To know the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it to him it is sin. Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, that's James 4.17. Um, so, yeah, if you're convinced it's the Lord having given you something, then you need to obey that uh, irrespective of what other people might be telling you, which is what Paul is doing there and will do in the next batch of believers that tell him don't to go. So, so Paul was so sure that the Lord had spoken that instead of going, oh, okay, I'll change my mind and not go to Jerusalem, he, I mean, my best reconstruction, and feel free to come up with an alternative, would be, okay, that's your sense of the spirit, but that's not quite right you know because every impression we have isn't necessarily the holy spirit right do we really want to claim that kind of authority like every thought i have oh that's the holy spirit no that would be kind of dangerous (laughs) we're not that spirit filled that we can just say everything that comes out of my mouth is the spirit talking so i think we it just gives us a caution of okay they very well be sincere that that is an impression given by the Spirit. It's not necessarily the case. Amaris, did you have a comment? How do you, how do you, would you say that we know if, if it is the Holy Spirit leading us to go a particular place or we talking about that kind of thing? What would, what would the things you would look like in order to guide leading us to that place? Okay, and that's, yeah, that's a great question. And again, the, the, the top things, are, of course, are what does the Word of God say? Clearly and in principle. Um, and then praying for wisdom, James 1.5, praying for the Lord to guide, Psalm 23, seeking counsel of wise people, not just anybody. Um, don't ask a 10-year-old, what do you think I should do about this job change? Um, but, you know, and then the peace factor is iffy. <laughs> Jonah had peace about going to Tarshish. He slept through a storm. So peace is not exactly... A reliable indicator. Jesus did not have peace in Gethsemane. It says his um, soul is, oh, how does he say it? In anguish. in anguish. That's not peace, but it was still God's will. So peace is, meh, <laughs> maybe, but not a, a slam dunk. Tanya? Yeah, I think that's a good 
So maybe not necessarily. Again, almost the opposite of peace. It's like I'd have peace about staying comfortable and make, taking the easy route, and yeah. I keep getting this impression I should do X, which is not easy or fun or whatever. Okay, good. I think in those decisions, too, God usually opens a door, opens a door, yeah. opens a door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't need faith. faith. <laughs> and so it is faith because we say, God, I, I think this is where you're leading me. I don't know, but I'm going to trust. Right. And well, I'm going to go to the next step. Uh-huh. And God is so good to just yeah. open the next door. And then, but maybe a door does get closed. But he's, it's not like he calls us to Russia and gives us no inclination for five years until, you know, it's like he just reassures day by day. <laughs> And again, that's where Psalm 23 and other texts about God being a guide till death, Psalm 48. Or, um, so if, one of, if, if you have children, if one of your kids said, um, I'm not sure what I should do, should I I'll just make it real simple, take this class or this class? And, and I don't really care, I just, I want to I do what you think is best, Dad. Okay. Would I say, well, you're going to have to guess. <laughs> that would be cruel right? so think of Matthew 7 if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children like giving them direction when they ask for it how much more will your father in heaven give what is good to those who ask so if we ask God show me, help me open doors, whatever God doesn't play games and go oh, you're getting colder no, sorry it's not a game Leads us in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. There's more in lo- at stake than my convenience of knowing God's will. I like knowing God's will. <laughs> but there's something bigger than this will make your life less complicated. Or maybe it'll make more life more complicated by getting kids through adoption. I mean, it'll make your life easier. But God says, I'll guide you. So we can trust. There's the faith that Russ is mentioning. We walk by faith, not by sight. So yeah, if it's absolutely certain, you know, we don't need God. It's, there's a level of trust that we never outgrow. There's always going to be, Lord, I, as best as I can tell, having checked your word, having prayed for wisdom, having talked to wise counselors, having tried to assess circumstances and doors, I'm going to take step A and trust that you'll Keep leading me, and if I pick the wrong 
choice. Would you redirect me <laughs> to get where I, you want me to be? You know? And God is faithful as a father and a guide and a shepherd to do that for his children. Angela. Good, good. And um, let's go along with that. Dwight Eisenhower, the Supreme Allied Commander for uh, World War II and then one of our presidents, he always would find someone who disagreed with his plans. Like, okay, we're going to do D-Day. I don't want ten guys saying, oh, it sounds like a great idea, Ike. <laughs> or, sir? <laughs> I want somebody who's going to say, I see a hole here, or I see a problem here, or I see a flaw here. It's going to make it a better plan than, oh, we just lost 10,000 guys because nobody would disagree with General Eisenhower's plan. So to your point, Angela, yeah, don't necessarily just go, oh, I bet they'd agree with me. <laughs> you know, if you're pretty convinced it's God's will, you'll be willing to hear somebody point out the negatives. And if you're still convinced, that's what Paul's doing, right? He's so convinced it's God's will, even though some other people are telling him not to, he still goes with what he is planning, what he was told to do, go to Jerusalem. So, any other comments or questions? Not that it's ever easy to like know 100% that we've got God's will down, but Gary? and the pastor and a couple others thought it should go in that direction. They couldn't come to an agreement, and so there was a split. And and, and so and my, my question to the former pastor was, you know, how is it that both sides can really feel as though this is what the Lord's direction is and it be so opposite and, and cause this, you know, split in the church? I mean, they, they left, and that was nice and all, but... You know, how is it? You know, and I, and I kind of see that here too. You know, they both think that God is saying one thing, and and the other thinks it's mm-hmm. something else. And how is it? Well, we saw that with Paul and Barnabas. Remember, a few chapters ago, right. Paul was like, "There's, I don't think it's God's will." He didn't use that phrase to take Barnabas along. He's a quitter, and or excuse me, John Mark, and Barnabas is going, "Let's give the kid another chance." And I'm guessing he thought that was the Lord's will. So, yeah, they had a sharp disagreement, and they parted ways, which doubled the mission effort at that point. But, but yeah, two opposite signals going on of do we take them or not? Um, you can't both be right at the same time. And yet somehow God worked that all out anyway. So, yeah, it's... It, oh, let me, if we're still on God's will, let me just mention one thing that isn't appropriate and that is the whole fleece thing that I'm talking about. Okay. Um, Lord, if it's your will for me to take this job, let the phone ring at 5 o'clock. Well, it rings at a minute to 5. Does that count? It rings a minute after 5. Does that count? About 5 after 5. It's, it's notoriously uncertain at best, but it's not even biblical because if you look at Gideon, which is where the 
concept comes from Gideon already knew God's will. Go fight the Midianites. This is not, am I supposed to fight the Midianites or not? God had already very specifically told him, do it. So this is not trying to find God's will. This is a lack of faith going, I already know God's will is this, and I'm kind of hoping there's an out, so I'm going to throw out this sign. So the whole fleece thing is not... The right word. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> Angela? I just read this morning that very thing because Abraham um, sent out his servant to go find a wife, remember, for Isaac. And so the servant lays out, you know, when I go to take my camel to the watering place, Lord, please have her say, you know, I'm going to ask her to give me water. Lord, please have her say, and let me water your camels too. So she does exactly that. And right after that, the first time I've really noticed this, is the servant is sitting there pondering whether she really is the one or not. Right after that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There's always the doubts. It's like, well, maybe I should do another sign, which is what Gideon does. He does round two of the fleece, gets the same results, but he already knew the will of God. So, yeah, don't... Fall for, it's almost superstitious, uh, and it won't really give you clarity. It'll actually just raise more doubts in your mind. Well, you know, 501, huh? maybe I better do another sign. So any other thoughts or questions about God's will? We can just solve this for your life for all time. Yeah, I think it's good to remember, too, that God's, God's plans are different than ours, and so mm. maybe we end up at a path that, well, my bank account isn't as good as I thought it was going to be, or my okay. job doesn't pay quite as much. Okay. Maybe that other option. But God doesn't work in those kind of metrics. Sure. God works in an entirely different uh, world system. So sometimes our you know, we can be so easily, you know, want a certain thing and when we don't get it think, well maybe that was wrong and yet God's above all of that. Right. Right. Good. Good. All right. Well let's look at another example of that. Let's Keep going in Acts 21. Acts 21. Let's go ahead and do 5 through 9, and that'll set up the next section. So 5 through 9. days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Okay. So remember Philip back in Acts 8 uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch and preaching in Samaria? Here he shows up again. He's living in Caesarea. Paul goes, looks him up. This is probably, as best as the scholars can tell, about 20 years after Acts 8. And Philip's still going, 
strong. He's got these four daughters, and they are prophetesses. Um, and then there's a, another prophet. While they're in Caesarea, we'll hear from him in 10 through 14. Would somebody read those verses, please? I have a, I have a question. Ruth. What does it mean, who was one of the seven? What seven are they talking about? Seven of the deacons. Remember the seven men after the widows were... The Gentile widows were being neglected. Choose seven men for yourselves. Philip was one of them, as well as an evangelist. So he was a deacon, and then an evangelist, and then landed up in Caesarea. Okay, good question, though. Okay, would somebody read 10 through 14? Okay, so where have we met Agabus before? Don't feel bad. It's Acts 11. It's been a few months. Acts 11, would somebody read 27 and 28? So Agabus was right about that famine because he was speaking by the Spirit. <laughs> He's a prophet. And so that's why Paul does this collection among the Gentile churches to help the church at Jerusalem. So Agabus has another prophecy now. And what is the conclusion of those who heard Agabus, including Luke? Because he says we. So remember the we passages in Acts are Luke is including himself in the story. What's, what's their conclusion after hearing about that? Don't go. Don't go. In fact, it, my version says, begged him. Like, please don't go. Paul, what are you thinking? Don't go. How does Paul respond to this prophecy and the reaction of don't go after that prophecy? What does he do? Or say. Yeah, similar to what he said in the last chapter, he's ready to die even if he has to share the gospel. Right. I know it's the Lord's will, so it doesn't matter what happens to me. I can get bound or even die. I'm going to follow God's will. Period. Um, and so, how do Luke and the rest of them respond to his resolve? So they don't say, well, you're, not, you're going against God's will or you're out of the will of God or this is plan B of God's will or all the other little things Christians say to each other about stuff like that. Uh, it's, oh, this must be the will of God, so may it be done. You know, we don't like to see Paul go off to Jerusalem and bad things happen to him, but if that's the will of the Lord, then we accept that. So any questions or comments on... Paul. That first part where they said in the spirit they urged him not to go through to Jerusalem, that it was a similar situation. 
is what's going to happen to Paul if he goes to Jerusalem. He's like, don't do it. Rather than the Spirit telling them, hey, tell Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Yeah, so there's no, yeah, the, the, the Spirit isn't attached to the don't right. go. That's their conclusion after yeah. hearing bad things are going to happen. Yeah. And, or Peter, you know, I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to die in Jerusalem. Don't go. Yeah. Well, it's God's will for me to go and die in Jerusalem, so I'm going to ignore your plea uh, to disobey. Any other thoughts or questions on this whole discerning of God's will thing? Because it, again, just shows up back to back here in 21. All right, well, let's see what happens when Paul goes to Jerusalem, uh, 15 to 19. After these days, we got ready and started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Mason of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. After we arrived in Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. After he had greeted them, he began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Okay, thank you. So this is the James, that's the Lord's half-brother that presided at the Council of Jerusalem in chapter 15. He's still kind of the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Paul kind of looks him up and tells him what God's been doing through him. God gets the credit of what's happening among the Gentiles. And then, oh, speaking of Gentiles, besides glorifying God, listen to what they say in 20 to 26. Through 26, please. Okay, thank you. So, why is James asking the question, What is to be done? What's the rumor that a lot of people in Jerusalem are believing? Okay, that'd be strike one. Forsake the law of Moses. I'm a Jew. <laughs> and what else? 
don't circumcise your kids. Strike two, what else? You don't, you don't follow the customs. So, yeah, it seems like law and customs are separate. Like, because, um, of course, the Jewish had lots of traditions on top of the law. So that's precarious, right? You're walking into a heavily populated Jewish area. This is what everybody's been hearing about you. That's trouble. What are we going to do? And so they come up with a plan. What's their plan? Shorthand version. Yeah, so just be a team player, follow the Jewish customs, follow the law, keep everybody happy, and things will be okay. Right? And also discredit reports that are out. Right, which kind of silence those kind of reports. Thanks, Mark. So, how does Paul respond to this advice? So he's he has turned off the advice the last two times somebody's told him what he should do. What does he do this time? He follows it. Did he have to? No. So I think it's another example of 1 Corinthians 9. Somebody read 1 Corinthians 9, 19, and 20. So doesn't that sound like what he's doing? I don't have to do this. I'm free from the law. But for the sake of evangelizing these Jewish brothers and not offending my Jewish background believing brothers, I'll do it. Okay? So any comments or questions on the plan and Paul's willingness to follow through? Okay. Uh, What do we want to do on the time here? Is that clock a couple minutes slow already? Maybe we should stop there, and if you want to cheat and read ahead, you'll see how well this plan works. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't go well, but it sets up 22. So, Lord willing, next Sunday if I'm here, we'll do the rest of 21 and 22, um, or it'll be two weeks from today. So, let's go ahead and pray, and Paul, would you lead us?